friends, this is Jeff. Quick word before we get started. As many of you know, we are doing a one-day gathering on stress and security to start the new year on February 4th. This is in Greeley, Colorado. So if you are on the front range or just love to travel, tickets are just 90 bucks and we're going to have a blast. If you want to stay home in your cozy little home in Australia and not venture stateside, it's big love for you, Lachlan. Then we are starting our online gatherings, and these will start on January 17th. These will be once a month this year, and this time we are talking about relationships. Links for both of these events are at aroundthecircle.org. Just hit events and sign up, very easy. On a secondary front, many of you are actually counselors or professional psychologists, and we are partnering with the Michael Shahan on his online course, which is Enneagram for Therapists. Uh, Shahan's insights are no joke. Lots of insight, lots of experience. Go to michaelshahan.com. They are starting here uh, this week, and if you want a discount, you can enter Circle 50 for some love. Lastly, we have a new podcast feed for all of our friends just getting into the Enneagram. It is called Start Here. It is easy to find everywhere that podcasts are posting. So just search for Start Here Enneagram or Start Here. It'll look like our Enneagram circle and it's green and white. Real classy. Uh, we have put 21 episodes there. They're all in a convenient spot so that we can share them with our pals, with our family, with total strangers we meet on the subway who are interested. It begins with episodes that help folks find their types, gives them the basics, and then it begins to set them up with here are the steps that you take. Super proud of this podcast, and I would be thrilled, thrilled, thrilled if you took a look. And with that, I'm Jeff Cook. And I'm TJ Wilson. And this is Around the Circle. I'm walking slowly. of the human personality. It's a tool for navigating relationships, creates language for what motivates us and helps us to look at the way we look at everything else. Most importantly, the Enneagram is a mirror because sometimes you need help seeing yourself. My name is Jeff Cook. I'm a philosopher in Greeley, Colorado. With me is TJ Wilson, businessman, lover of theology, and Enneagram Ninja. Hello. My man. Hey. We're trying something new today. Ooh, fun. We are bringing on the Chase Barron. Chase is a seven, an incredibly thoughtful person who we've become friends recently. And Chase has the definitive list of uh, Enneagram questions to end 2022, start your new year. The definitive list. So welcome, Chase. The definitive list that I came up with in an hour or so. So <laughs> excellent. <laughs> this is going to be great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Chase described it as uh, these are the random things that people ask me whenever they kind of get into the Enneagram. Mm. Yeah, that's a sticky title right there. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be the title of the episode, and it should go viral. One of the things that I've been thinking, and so hopefully this podcast will be quite enjoyable, TJ and I are approaching somewhere in the three, 400 hours of sitting down and talking about this topic with one another, and sometimes just bringing in outside energy, language, ways of coming to the material can be incredibly helpful to, to bring out new and exciting and things, so... And just the fact of another person helps uh, deal with the boredom that we experience with each other. So <laughs> this, this is this is actually not true. TJ and I have been on like road trips in which it's just 
two little 13 year old girls talking the entire <laughs> time there, the entire time back. It's just, it's all lies. Truth. So with that, I'm going to hand it over to Chase. Where are you going with questions? What's on your mind question wise that I didn't mention? Well, I, I will note that today is the 30th of December, so we're just coming up towards the end of the year. And in formulating these questions, I've been hitting a spot where you know I work in academia and everyone's off of work for a week and you know there's no school happening, so it's a very reflective time. So I think part of these questions are colored by the new year. Um, I'm not going to say New Year's resolutions, but part of it is you know, that big shift, that big reflective moment and thinking of how the Enneagram might be helpful in the new year without being gimmicky about it. Love it. Yeah. Are we going to start charging memberships? Because <laughs> we'll get a lot of money in this first month. Yeah. Well, there's a big discount if you uh, sign on for the whole year. Of nice. Enneagram help, so. There we go. There you go. I talked to a guy who had an athletic club and he was talking about the people that come in and, and say, I, I'm that person that signs up in January and you kind of don't see me from April to December. What do you call people like me? And the guy goes, profit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gyms have gotten in trouble because too many people have shown up for their memberships. You know, you actually have to bank on most people not going. Yeah. Every, every gym membership that I've ever bought was never utilized. And I have purchased at least two gym memberships in my life. And the owners of those gyms love you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, so for the format, I'm going to ask the question, and then each of you is going to give your shortest, sweetest response, and we can see where things differ in opinion. Mm. It's almost like the newlywed game. <laughs> <laughs> um, so first on this list, kind of a deeper question for right off the bat, but this is something that's really on my mind as we move into the new year. Is it possible to help other people grow towards higher levels of health? You want to take that? Yes. <laughs> you can, but TJ's not going to jump in there. It's, it's that's gonna, true. They're going to have to ask really, yeah. really yeah. hard. You're going to want it. No, uh, that actually is uh, sort of the 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 brief version of, of my real answer is that, that you, you, they have to want it. It's like, if, if people don't want to grow, then they're not going to. When I'm at my best on this front, I'm just asking people questions and allowing the, this material to color some of the language for the people I care about. Me caring about folks and asking them questions about themselves and their, their health, I suppose, is one way of loving them. Obviously, that can go overboard. I'm not your mom. Um, in fact, I'm nobody's mom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. How is the Enneagram different from other personality typing systems? The big thing for me is that, that there's movement, that it's not static. It's, um, while we don't believe that your Enneagram type changes, it's, it doesn't keep you where you're at. For me, Enneagram is about motive. And it's about motive, it's about motive, it's about motive. And so the human personality is enormous. But this is just talking about your motive. Let's give it a name. So, genuine question, because I, I know you guys talk a lot about this, but I'm curious for myself, how is the Enneagram best used as a tool for growth? And is there a best use? Some friends of ours uh, who have a, um, a spiritual growth center, the sort of the motto of their center is that, that it, this is uh, individual work done best in community. And uh, I, I think that Enneagram work is, like as a tool, it is 
something that the more you study about yourself, the more you get to see your own, the things that are holding you and, and, and shaping your personality. And the more you study about the system, the more you start to see other people a little bit clearer. So uh, just, just getting more and more self-awareness. And then, like I said before, having these tools available that, that offer some kind of path that, that says how, here's how you change these aspects of yourself. Here's, here's, if this is the direction you want to go, here's ways to get there. Um, I think it more and more study and, and reflection and introspection and, and doing that in community. I agree. We did a series called steps a while back, which is now set aside on the start here podcast. If you want to find it, it's easier to find, but our first step is knowing your type, naming your type. Our second step is uh, talking about it with others. There's so much good that can come if you can find others who are into Enneagram and just talking through the material with them in which the articulation of this is what's going on inside me, given my type, and being able to name it, put words to it, hear from others where they're learning, allowing that to move. That seems to me one of the best possible ways to jump into it as a tool. I like a lot of stuff. Book studies can obviously be worthwhile. Yeah. Talking about things that, that matter to you with people who are likewise jazzed. That's that that uh, what is reinforcing. I don't know if we mentioned this. Chase does quite a bit of work with, um, with weight loss, personal health, and all the rest. I, I assume it's the same sort of thing. You have material, but there's all sorts of different material you could use to get healthy. But if you have a person or a community, that's really where transformation takes place. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's better. It tends to be a lot better in community. And um, yeah, I've seen that in fitness spaces, just the culture, the welcoming culture of a good, well put together gym with friendly people who have similar good goals geared towards actual health. Yeah. Um, and you can see how that can get skewed and messed up. And that the same thing is true with like internal development, like you guys are doing. If, if you have a group of people who have a clear vision towards a, a good truth, then even in the Enneagram circles that you guys have had on those Sundays and soon to be uh, once a month or however yeah. it's going to be next year, um, those communities teach, teach you so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, I suppose a lot of education is that way. We come to a building with a bunch of students and we have a teacher and we're all in this together. We're learning the same thing. That's, that is education 95% of the time in our in our culture, be it, you know, grade school or be it college or be it, you know, I know Weight Watchers has that sort of system or um, what I, Dave Ramsey's personal finance stuff. He's trying to get lots of people together and you, there's the competition side, there's the community side, there's the, um, we're all s- sacrificing at the same time. Mm-hmm. AA is that way, I suppose, yeah. if you're trying to get healthy that way. Yeah, and it's also uh, beautiful when you have a combination of collaboration in a community, but also like individualized programming um, in a way where... Mm -hmm. And that's the beautiful thing about the Enneagram. It's so much like fitness where I'm not running everybody on the same program to get results. It's we get together. We know that we're all working towards a similar goal, but Mm -hmm. we're all going to get there in different ways. And having that kind of flexibility, I think, at least in my experience, is really paid off. Solid. Bang. So question, what does it mean to be a 
actively studying the Enneagram. For example, um, TJ always suggests we don't get into subtypes until we've been studying for five years. So how do I know that I'm doing this right? Uh, I I don't know that there is one answer. I think uh, the act of uh, just the fact of learning and trying to uh, pay attention to the things that the Enneagram is trying to teach you that that's enough and any kind of engagement with the material on purpose. That's, that's what studying is. Yeah. It's again, the case we did a series called steps and, and that's, we were trying to answer that very question. We outlined seven steps in terms of focus here, then focus here, then focus here. And there is a, there's a time to push deeper to allow a lot of times, especially with emotional work, relational work it can it can take time to just kind of sit on a principle or sit on an idea for yourself and really let it do its its work in you yeah it's sometimes the case and i know that i had this experience in december where sometimes you just get burnt out on the material and the best possible thing you can do is just set aside the books for a while and that was actually our last step and then when it comes back around start with step one again and start asking some deeper questions about your type and jumping back in the community again. Yeah, there's, I, I really think that there's, uh, there's so many different ways of learning and there's so many different options available out there of gaining Enneagram knowledge. There's podcasts, there's videos, there's books, there's, there's blogs, there's internet groups, there's in-person groups. And, and I think that like the real, like actual dedication of like really trying to do this as opposed to like, if you just have a one a day fact on calendar that, that you just like, you read one thing about it per day and you don't really absorb that information. Engaging with it in, in whatever way works for you best. I think that is studying. And I think that'll look different for a lot of different people. So. This is the case that I was supposed to tie it to other things. You can really get into human anatomy on, on the weight loss side. And you can talk about like how, you know, fat cells really work or, you know, how carbohydrates and proteins are working together. It also can be the case that just first step, it might be, you just need to say, you get 2000 calories and you should probably exercise for an hour. That's really all you need to know for right now. Let's just start there. Build from that. I don't know if that's good advice and drink a lot of water and sleep (laughs) there. There's four things. Just focus on that. You'll probably you're probably going to do pretty well, yeah? Yeah, and um, I think in, in both domains, in the in the physical and mental health side of things, um, the, the score takes care of itself too. Right. So if yeah. you are focusing on the process of incorporating the system into your life, um, you, maybe you don't have to worry about what five years of study results in or what five years of training results in. It's kind right. of, yeah. Oh, TJ, you hit me hard with the read one page a day and don't really apply it because... I have so many of those like daily stoic books and I don't actually <laughs> practice it. But with the, with the Enneagram, it's such, an, it's such an easy system to change your life because I noticed that in relationships, it's hard not to see how obvious it plays out. It's a very right. visible system. Right. Especially the more you learn about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to break apart the basic different elements of the Enneagram and just see how short and sweet we can define them and see if you have any differences in in what you think the most important parts of each understanding is. So I take it everyone here knows what the, the nine types are. So we'll start by breaking it into intelligence centers. And I just want to ask you both, 
what does my intelligence center say about me? Uh, your primary intelligence center is the main way that you take in information from the outside world and, and process it. Yeah, that's it. It's how you take in the world, which is kind of why we start there. I think most people, in fact, start there. It's like, because this is where you first connect with the world. Oftentimes, your intelligence center is also tied to your orientation to time. Some people are more future-focused, some more past-oriented. Some are very much in the present. And that your intelligence center, given your your connection to time is also going to tell you where you're going to struggle most with either fear, shame, or anger. And so you're, if you can name your intelligence center, we can probably start talking a lot about one of the first things that you should talk about. It's kind of like your shadow. It's uh, this I struggle. So for myself and for TJ, we both have, have anger issues. And I assume for Chase being a seven, that Chase could talk about fear. And, and that's going to be tied to our intelligence center. Um, similar question. Uh, what does your repressed center say about you? So the repressed center is actually the, the one that you struggle with the most. Uh, and that is in taking in information and in doing things in doing something with that information, uh, the, the way that that information is all processed, uh, the repressed center is the one that that is like the shriveled arm that doesn't get any use. It's 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 the one that that is broken and under and misunderstood, and y- you kind of don't know what to do with it. Yeah, your repressed center is tied to your stance. And stance is about how you engage the world. Intelligence center, you're bringing the world in. Stance is how you engage the world. We have a repressed side when we engage the world, either with our feelings, with our actions, or with our thinking. And each of the types have kind of that, what, blind spot, as it were, or the place that they struggle with most, shoring up, getting it active and productive, and naming that. Super helpful. Cool. So threes, sixes, and nines are repressed in their dominant intelligence center. Can you explain that? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, the the short version is that uh, while we take information in through that one center, uh, we don't engage that information. We don't we don't do anything with it through that same center. So it's it's sort of it's sort of like that that is our primary thing, but it's broken. When I first got in the Enneagram, this was the question that would was pitched to teachers. And none of them had good answers. And I pitched it to TJ, and he came out with such clarity. And I went, he is a ninja on this front. <laughs> it was so, And that's where the ninja came from. It was from this very question. Just fun fact for the side. The, there is a distinction between how you bring in the world and how you engage the world. Nines, threes, and sixes all take in the world through their primary center, through feeling, um, thinking, or doing. But they don't engage the world you're feeling, thinking, or doing. And so it's it's actually an apples and oranges thing. So my wife is a three, takes in the world through her heart and her emotional center. But when she gets into the world, the heart gets set aside because now she's going to go to work and she's going to think about what the goals are and she's going to knock out some stuff effectively and feeling can get set aside. That's not how she took in the world. She took in the world very emotionally because that's how she connects. She, she has relationships. She has people she cares about and who she wants to impress and to love and to help move forward. And so that distinction of 
how you take in the world, very different from how you engage it, and that's why you can have both your primary center and your repressed center uh, be the same. That makes sense. I can't imagine that experience, but it's rough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The 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 three six nine life seems like a like a a uh, just seems like a tough balance. Yep. It seems like a like a really hard c- conflict there. Of all things, Chase, I've been I've been thinking that as well. I've been studying coping style for the the conference we're going to throw in February, and just the dynamics for three sixes and nines. It, uh, I have to get my head around this, but that's what kept coming out in my mind is, man, this is really tough. Because what they do is they double down on their strategy for solving problems where you and I, we can kind of maneuver, we get, we can shift. If you're in the, what TJ calls the shock points, I suppose, however, I may be wrong here, three sixes and nines by their nature are kind of balanced already because you have a little bit more access to all the elements. Yeah, we have we have better access to the other. Uh, so, like, there's there's three intelligence centers, and if one of them is primary and one of them is repressed, then there's a third one in the middle that sort of helps the primary. But for three sixes and nines, our primary and repressed are the same, so we have equal access to the two secondary centers. Uh, so we have, and you know, a little bit better opportunity to to bring some balance into those. But that means that balancing the primary and repressed is actually a little bit harder. Yeah, there's a lot of conflict as yeah. to which center to uh, fall back on as a, even as a secondary um, center. Yeah. It may be worth noting here, just this is even more foundational. All of us are, have three parts to ourselves. We have our, our minds, our hearts, and our bodies. And the thinking of ourselves in that three-part-tight way is, is across all cultures. You see it everywhere of of people being able to talk about their reason, be able to talk about their emotions, being able to talk about their intuitions, or being able to say, you know, I just can't get my body to do what I want it to do, or I can't get my thinking straight, or my heart is hurting right now. This is very, very common. All of us have a relationship to those three elements of ourselves, and they make us us. And just being able to put a name to them and how they interact with one another is a primary for the Enneagram. There's another thing that makes the Enneagram different than a lot of personality typing <laughs> systems. It kind of has, by its nature, of its thumb on really the ancient understanding of what it just means to be a, a human being. So and you see this in Buddha, you see it in Plato, you see it in the Jewish tradition, you see it in, in a lot of contemporary psychology, that head, heart, body kind of distinction. And Enneagram can give you some tools for talking through that a little bit better. Yeah, and uh, Jeff, you and TJ are both in the Body Intelligence Center. Is it wise to be in collaboration with people of the same Intelligence Center? I think it's fine. Short short answer, it's fine. It's fine. Everything's going to be fine. One of the things that will be interesting, and I'm sure we're going to get to this, we both take in the world the same way, but everything else is different about us. Yeah. How we solve problems how we engage the world. That's that's like one of my favorite things about the Enneagram is that it's cut up into these different sections and you only share one way of seeing the world with every other number. Yeah, right. Like uh, what TJ and I, we should both be You're both positive, positive outlook, outlook. Yeah. and Jeff and I should both be frustrated idealists. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you two both have your body intelligence yep. center. Yeah. But no well, more. 
makes things interesting in terms of the dynamic, and we talk about this on our podcast quite a bit, but we share uh, workspaces together, but both of us being body types, intuitional types, we are aware that we want to have control over our physical spaces. So that can be either a place of tension or it can actually be a place that we intuitively know that that's their space and this is my space and we don't even need to really talk about it at times because it's just known. Whereas a lot of other folks who aren't body types, space isn't their thing. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're, they don't have an intuitive sense of its value, whereas we do and we understand that it has high value and that creates its own di- you know, dynamics there. And I'll even take that a step further and say that like the, the fact that we are both concerned about space but for very different reasons has been a point of tension in our relationship over the years. And the awareness of that reality is what has helped us resolve that tension. Truth. Not perfectly. Like, it's still something that's present, and we have to address it continually because we share workspace. And But, but knowing that this is, that the concern starts from the same place, even if we go different directions in what we want it to be, we can meet each other in the middle a lot easier because we are aware and, and because we share that, like th- this is an intuitional thing that if we bring, if we brought our spouses into this, they would not understand this fight at all. But other like that, we can start to see eye to eye once we come back a little bit more to that like foundational part of it. To push into that a, a bit, I don't know what it would look like for the heart and head, but I assume with heart types who might be more emotionally manipulative at times and would understand when somebody else is seeking to emotionally manipulate them. It would just be an undercurrent. Mm. Whereas when somebody tries to emotionally manipulate me, I'm just oblivious to it. I either don't care or I'm just a huge sucker. <laughs> it's one of the two, you know? And I'm aware of it and just try to turn the tables. So Yeah. Do, do you have a, a sense of like, Chase, when you're in conversation with a six or another seven or a five? you know, what the thing is that you understand, you dialogue together differently? Yeah, well, we have that really big grip on ideas and Mm -hmm. what's Mm -hmm. going to happen in the future. Luckily, um, my brother is a five, so we we seem to be primarily concerned with more more, more so ideas than even manifestations of them, mm-hmm. um, where you guys are in the pr- present looking at the space around you and what is physically there. I'm kind of interested in where the space will be, mm-hmm. and I, wanna, I want my ideas to be recognized. Mm. And I, I know a lot of people in the heart triad, too, so I'm, I'm there a lot, and I feel like you are correct. They, they seem to know about a, like a poker game that's happening behind the scenes that I... I'm totally unaware of. Right. This is the problem with the Enneagram, too. What you talk about with being aware of space, I feel like I'm walking around uh, offending people by not taking spaces seriously enough and not Mm. seeing um, what really does matter to, say, a nine who doesn't want to change space when I, a seven, run in and decorate the walls. Um, even if it's a good improvement, it's, uh, you change the space. Yeah. Yeah. We had, a um, in, in our building, we, we tore a wall down after, uh, a few months after I opened the coffee shop and it was a huge fight between, uh, there, there was a third party as well. And it was just this 
I was so resistant to this gigantic change, which was 100% the right thing to do. And like, I, I'm, it, it's laughable now knowing what we were able to do with this space because we took that stupid, literally in the middle of the building wall down. And the, it, it was just, it was a huge problem because I did not want to, I had designed something for the space that we were in and now you're changing the space and everything is going to be different. And I do not like change. And it took me being in the space for a while to be like, oh yeah, no, this was right. This was the right thing to do. All right. <laughs> Actually, it was a seven. The third party involved was a seven. Funny enough. So, mm-hmm. mm. yep. So that, that that brings me to you know, I think this is helpful for everyone. How do you avoid offending other types while still being true to your type? <laughs> I think the 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 number one answer is to recognize that the enneagram is not an excuse for your behavior. It's it's a pathway to stop being like that yeah the self-awareness is going to be part of maturity that's going to be it's going to be very helpful on that front in terms of identifying here are the places here's how other people can see you and what your you know proclivities are and how you may rub other folks the wrong way well, and I, I think that like, we talked about uh, stance and the repressed center. I think that has a big part to play in a lot of this as well is because we don't understand the repressed center as well. So we, I don't, I am less aware of the, how much trouble I'm creating in the, in the lives of, of the people around me by not engaging with my action, with my intuitive center and, and, uh, aggressive types, people who are repressed in their feeling center, they don't understand the emotional effect that they have on other people. And um, so so leaning into some of these things about recognizing yourself and the ways that you sort of fail helps you understand that other people are experiencing this in a different kind of way. And, and more and more study of the whole system help see that there are other ways that people see things. And your number is not an excuse. Love. Yeah. So is, I guess, to go back to like, like the beginning about getting healthy, is, is getting healthy and growing as a person more about embracing your number or escaping your number? Yes. I tend to think that there is the the idea that you have a shadow is real helpful on your number, but shadows aren't real. They're just they're they're dark and ethereal, you know. Um, but you can push in. We know what it means to like push into our shadow side. What we mean there is that there's some there's like a there's like a negative side to all that we are that we push into so the idea that your best the things that make you your best self are also the sources of what makes you your worst self is one of the things Ingram really exposes and so it can be very helpful to name that and uh, as we said starting out happiness and health are tied together and you can't rip them apart I think that uh, one of the things that we haven't really like specifically pointed at, but but we sort of danced around a little bit is the idea of balance and and so much of the Enneagram work of in front of us is about balance. It's not about casting off the things that are bad or 
celebrating and, and strengthening the things that are good. It's about both. It's about rounding the, the sharp edges. It's about recognizing the places where you do need some work. And it's, it's also about celebrating and leaning into the, the places where you are really naturally gifted and skilled and you bring something that something to the table that no other type does. And, um, I, I think bringing both of those things into balance is what is a big part of what the Enneagram offers. Mm. Yeah, agreed. I, th- I do think it's the case that some Enneagram teachers, just to, to th- pick a fight, the, do overemphasize the getting rid of your number. I think that's a mistake. I think you, at your healthiest, are always going to be your type. And the, the thing that you have to contribute to humanity, to your friends, to your, to your culture, um, to yourself, uh, oftentimes are going to come out of your deepest self, which I, I, I find it's very difficult to extract who you are from your motive. Yeah. And you're always going to have motive. In fact, I think it's uh, just to even get more controversial to get rid of motive or desire, I think is a huge misstep for spirit as a spiritual practice. We've talked about stoicism a minute ago. Um, and there's lots of traditions of that sort where you are trying to extract desire from yourself. It seems to me that that's the, that's the path for rocks. You know, that's the path for mm-hmm. you. Can you point at anything you want to become that doesn't have some energy and pursuit and life and desire. Um, love is based on desire. Um, hope is based on desire. Faith is based on desire. Desire is a, a rich part of ourselves. Healthy, good expressions of desire is what you really want. Mm. That's That seems to me to be where our type lies. Is It is a name for what you... It, really are at your core and what you are at your core is valuable, good and beautiful. And if you aren't you, you're robbing the rest of us, you know, along this line, like being a, being a seven, um, my fears and desires, you know, there are times when I love what my desires are and times where you just hate being your number. And Mm -hmm. I assume, you know, for everyone there, there are things that you need to, I guess, add on and embrace about your number and then things that it's not wise to repress them, but to, I guess, learn how to manage them Mm -hmm. and acknowledge them. Correct. I mean, what are your experiences with loving and hating your number and, you know, knowing what to keep and what to avoid? You know, ongoing, obviously, but um, like everything about this system is is sort of a, a double-edged sword. Um, it cuts both ways. And, and uh, I, I really like the analogy of the personality as something that like, it's like armor that we put on as we grew up to protect ourselves. And so much of, of type and, and obviously the, the surface level of Enneagram stuff is about recognizing that armor and starting to peel it away. And so like for me, I, I am a nine. I, uh, I like peace. I like calm. Uh, I avoid conflict at all costs. And in a good way, that means that I'm really good at, at helping navigate tense situations with other people. I'm really good at bringing two sides to the table because, and, and I even had a lovely conversation about several different types of really controversial things with a family member over Christmas because, um, I am one of the few people 
in that setting that can explain it to them in ways that that helps them see it as opposed to just having a fight about it because I'm naturally gifted in that as a nine. And at the same time, I won't bring up really important things with people that matter to me because it because I don't want to have a fight about it. So like that that desire for peace, it really cuts both ways. And becoming more and more aware of it through Enneagram study, through um, hearing other people tell different stories, it's like sparks a memory or something, and and just recognizing like there there's work for me to do to be able to engage conflict when it's needed. And also, this is something that I'm really, really good at, and I could lean into it more. Yeah, the downside of my type is is a kind of self-criticism. And I'll be having a great day, and then all of a sudden a memory will pop up of something that I did 28 years ago. I was in high school, and I did this awful thing to this one person, and it's there, visible. It's like a image in my head and I get very emotional about how badly I handled that situation. Enneagram knowledge comes in and I'm like, I'm being self-critical. And then I start to hate the fact that I'm self-critical. I'm (laughs) self-critical of my (laughs) self-criticism, which is a terrible doom loop for ones. And more and more, one of the things I want to, we're looking for vocabulary here, but all of us as living things have energy And that energy flows through the funnel that we call ourselves. And I think that funnel that we call ourselves is very much shaped a certain way. And that shape is our type, is part part of our Enneagram type is part of the shape of that funnel. And my energy is just such that it it, that self-criticism comes up frequently for me to get the things that I want and just be in the world in ways that the person I call me is in the world. One of the great things about that funnel is that you can manipulate it. You can move it. You can shape it. In fact, the healthiest people are self-aware and begin to change how you know all the energy that's coming through them, be that like an anger energy or a shame energy or a fear energy, how that's being shaped, how it moves. And so for, for me, in terms of um, this question that is kind of my focus now is like, what's the best thing to do with this, this self-criticism? It's, it's a huge, it can be a debilitating kind of energy. It can really rip up my heart, my mood, my mindset, my relationships. And so taking that, directing it in ways that are productive is, is one of the things I suppose Ingram helps me do. And it means you you hold yourself to a, a really high standard for a lot of things, and you get things done better than other people will do it. I, mean, I can attest to that for a lot of the work that we do in our buildings. And your Christmas lights were properly hung for the first time in several years because you're the one who did it, and you did it right, as opposed to your three partner doing it quickly. Yeah, we've all got our different goals and <laughs> the different, uh, I guess... Because we have different goals, we're just missing the other goals. Like the three yeah. just wants to get it done faster, and that's yeah. the goal, and they did it right. And right. then the one comes over and realizes that they did it wrong. It's not about how fast you did it. It's about how well, you mm. know, how perfectly. Yep, it's true. Mm. The The motive behind putting out the Christmas lights is always the interesting thing to me. Like I we 
it's not really important to me putting out Christmas lights. Very important to my wife because it's a relational act in our neighborhood. And she has relationships with all the people in our neighborhood. If you don't put out lights, you're not part of the community. You're not contributing to the community. And so let's just put the lights. Well, I look at the lights, and I'm like, these these are terribly done. It, like, it looks worse there than There is it. a right way to do this, <laughs> well, and this is not it. It's not even that there's a right way. It's like... There's a not messy, scattered, 20 different <laughs> types of light strings. Half of them, you still have knots all in them, sort of. Anyway, but priorities begin to emerge, and eh, that's the, that's the uh, what, that's, that's how I want to feel. I want to feel comfortable in my house. Mm. I want to feel like my house is a enjoyable place to be in rest. And so part of what comes across as perfectionism for my type, it is actually much more about I just want things in a certain pattern order such that I experience them a certain way. That is my intelligence center. I take in the world through my body. And so really perfectionism isn't the goal because as you can kind of see behind me, my, my whole office is helter-skelter um, half the time. What it actually is is arranging things such that, that I'm feeling comfortable. And I assume TJ is similar on that front. Yep. Yeah, awesome. I think how, why you set up Christmas lights is a, is a great question. Right. I mean, as, as a seven, I, I do it to see people smile when they look at them. And my wife, a two, definitely does it to warm people's hearts when they walk by. And TJ, you're, you're a nine. Do, do you have Christmas lights outside? No. <laughs> nope. Not once. I have never done it. No, no external Christmas lights. We had a family in town. They just moved. They were here for like 20 years. They were affectionately known as the Greeley Griswolds because that those those folks put out at least, you know, 500,000 lights. And I could see the sevenness in in a personality like that where it's like, we're going to have everybody in town drive by our house. We're going to do things new and exciting and they like by the end they had they had it set up such that you could turn your radio dial to a certain station and have the music uh, played and then all the lights were dancing to the music being played through your car as you drove past. I mean, it's like just elevating the new and wonderful experiences. <laughs> Dude, live for that. That feels to me like how a seven might approach holiday decorating. The holidays, I will say, are very opportunistic times for sevens. <laughs> they can be, they can be a whole awful lot. You know what else can be an awful lot is this set of questions. So we're going to break this one in half. Uh, just a quick reminder to check out the Start Here podcast so that you can send that to friends and family who want to start their year. Uh, kind of doing some introspection, looking at themselves, give them some spots to talk about their motive and Enneagram. And it's, uh, again, we're real proud of that. Secondarily, again, we have events coming up. You can find those at aroundthecircle.org, aroundthecircle.org. Or if you are a therapist or counselor, we are sponsoring Michael Shahan's Enneagram for Therapists. You can find that at michaelshahan.com. That's what I got. He's TJ Wilson. He's officially awesome. He is Chase Barron. And we have been thrilled to have you. My name's Jeff Cook, and who you aren't just isn't interesting. Have a happy new year. <laughs>